Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Whatever it takes, guys. Whatever it takes, we're going to spend all of our time talking about Endgame. Avengers Endgame is upon us. We did part one of our review on Sunday. Today, we're doing part two, getting into the deeper, our favorite moments, talking about all the different aspects, tracking all of these characters through Endgame, and now where are they going in the future? Plus, breaking news on Ghost Rider and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. All that and more today on Marvel Movie News. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talks Marvel Movie. Oh, good afternoon to you, our merry Marvelites. Welcome back to Marvel Movie News, coming to you live from the quantum realm. Also, I'm going to say this right now spoilers. Oh, yeah. All the spoilers are coming. I'm not going to hold back at all for this episode, so I'm warning you now. That this this is the time, if you haven't seen Endgame, we, we still love you. We still love you. We still want you to listen every week. But from this point forward, there will be Endgame spoilers. That's just the nature of the show. You clicked on a video and or a podcast that said, Avengers Endgame Spoiler Review Part 2. Mm-hmm. It's on you at this point, mm-hmm. guys. Yeah. yeah. We're being very clear as to what this yeah. is. Um, I just want to say that up top so that everyone feels feels safe. Feels love, feels it, we acknowledge you, we see you, but we're gonna talk about game. <laughs> um, I'm Zach Wilson, uh, the voice of Doom, corporealized. Uh, we're over here with Spider Woman Zia Anderson. Ooh, I like that. Hey guys, <laughs> I'm leaning into it. She's Spider Gwen, Spider Woman. Christian needs one too. I'm, I, I'm still most likely Uncle Ben, or I don't know, one of the older watchers or something. But you know, we'll figure it out. Foggy. Oh, I nice do love Foggy and, nice Nelson. And lovable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Perfect. There you go. Blowatu. <laughs> <laughs> Come Blowatu. Oh, that's terrible. Please, guys, come up with something for Christian. Yeah, it's not that hard. Come on, I just, uh, I'm just not a big nickname guy. Sorry. Um, we are going. So today's show, we are going to get into all of our thoughts on Endgame. We are, as I said in the in the cold, we are going to talk about where these characters are going. What we like now that we know everything. Some of the comments that the Russo brothers have made about Endgame now that it's been out for a week, which is crazy because it feels like it's been out forever. I yeah. know. Um, like I've seen it three times. Like. Two times. I still only seen it twice. Zia. I still only seen it once. I'm going okay. again this weekend. That's fair. That's fair. We all. It's a three hour movie. Yeah. It's like a day. Um, but yeah, we're gonna talk about that. Um, we are gonna like go through. We also are gonna have some fun. We're gonna travel to the past for some Endgame reactions <gasps> from old crew members. Hey. Marvel movie news. Stand by for that. Before we get into Endgame reviews and everything, uh, I want to real quick tell you what like sort of the big headlines from this week were. In case you're still being scared of, you're still being wary of spoilers. We're not gonna talk about this stuff right now, but just in case you wanted to know, 
And then if we have time at the end, we'll talk about these things. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. put out a new trailer for Season 6. It premieres next week. You can see it's a two-minute long trailer to get you psyched up for the season. Coulson, like, or Clark Gregg is in it, not Coulson at not all. Coulson. There's a big, this character's been apparently running around the galaxy for a while. Again, we'll talk about it at the back. The biggest, biggest news of the week was that Hulu announced two new series for Marvel shows coming. Live action series, not the four animated, the ones that they're doing. Live action series for the small one, Hailstrom. Uh, no one saw that coming. But the big one, Ghost Rider. Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider is getting a standalone series on Hulu live action. Gabriel Luna is going to star, and despite some misleading rumors reported by Variety, this will be the version of the character that you saw in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. However, that this is going to be a standalone show, so that if you never watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you can absolutely watch this series. It's still the same character. Right. It's st- according to Hulu, not according to any like rumors. According to Hulu and the executive producers, one of which who worked on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., this is the same version of the character. It's just not going to spin off of those events. We'll talk about that more if we have time at the end of the show, because so much to talk about with Endgame. But I wanted to let you guys know, in case you're going to tune out for the spoilers, that's what's going on with Robbie Ray as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And we'll talk about who Robbie Ray is, is a little bit, and what you can expect from that show that we know of at this point. Those are the big headlines but it's Avengers Endgame time, guys. I'm still, yeah, that's all I'm thinking about, yeah. really. I think about it every day. <sighs> but yes, we're going to jump in real quick. So the first thing I want to do, I know that we had teased a guest on the show, but life is crazy. You, sometimes you got to go off world because like a big purple dude shows up. Yep. Sometimes you got to go back in time. So I want to gear up the quantum realm and go back to, uh, let's call this to phase two of the <laughs> Marvel movie news universe. Uh, like for our, our our buddy Coy Jandro, who gave us his thoughts on Endgame in a quick video, so engage Quantum Realm Drive, Coy. What did you think of Avengers Endgame? Merry Marvelites! Oh, how I miss you! I wanted to send a message from me to you on this momentous day, this Endgame spoiler review at Marvel Movie News. Uh, I am sure that Zach has been killing it, but I wanted to say that I miss Zach and I miss you guys, and that Avengers Endgame, good God, uh, spoilers just in case, is a love letter to comic books, to movies, to sequels. It somehow reinvented what sequels can be while also using every bit of Marvel's technology to make a movie only Marvel could make. Only Marvel can have a 22-movie landing where every bit of every Easter egg, every reference gets tied beautifully together. Every moment feels important because we've lived through every little microcosm of the moments before. It's a a macro look at micro scale on so many things, and I love that it answers so many things we didn't know we wanted answers to. It checks so many boxes we didn't know we wanted, and it gives us every bit of fan service that doesn't feel like pandering while being freaking magic. Endgame was everything it needed to be, and that is a hell of a thing. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right, back to the main timeline, right. you guys. <laughs> Very well said, though. Um, yes, thank you, Koi, uh, from the past. Uh, um, but, yeah, so this was, like, yeah, this was, Endgame was an amazing movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Koi was saying there, fan service. Like, just in case people missed part one, reactions, just real quick. Zia, you first. What did you <laughs> think of Endgame? <laughs> <sighs> it was so good. It was, I mean, I laughed throughout the entire movie. I cried throughout the entire movie. Um, in case you missed part one, I said the same thing. But it's just, they 
Marvel does this so well, and they did it so perfectly in in this um, movie in particular, just balancing the uh, comedy with the, you know, tugging at your heartstrings drama, plus the action scenes. I mean, Jesus, that's where I cried the most, Yeah, was the action scenes. It wasn't even, it didn't even have, like, heartwarming moments. Those, I was just like, yeah, this is great. Oh, my God, they're fighting, and everybody's here. <laughs> and that's when I started crying. Um, yeah, they just, uh, it was just so good. And just all of the little things. There were just so many little things. Like Koi said, so many little Easter eggs, and Apparently, I, I mean, you sent it to us. There was Howard the Duck was there? Yeah, I, I, but you had to really, you know, zoom I in and find him. And we'll, yeah. and we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, and then sort of building on what Koi said, it was everything that I wanted and needed from the movie, and then a lot more that I didn't even realize I wanted or needed. It was this... You know, definitely the emotional roller coaster in part one. Zach and I talked about crying a number of times, but then also just having that grin that you can't wipe off your face. You know, it's just kind of between cries. Then you're also just so ecstatic about everything that you're seeing, and uh, just things things you never expected. Like you know, I, I never thought we were going to get a fat Thor, but there he was, and now now I think he's my favorite Thor. I don't know. Yes. So obviously, there's a there's just so much in the movie that uh, you know it, it was good to go and see it a second time. In Zach's case, a third time because you're able to at least calm down a little bit and like, all right, now I'm going to be able to enjoy some more of the nuances than the first time where I just don't know what's happening. Yeah, I guess like my so for me, like now that I've had a few more more days to process it and think about it and like see all the reactions and everything, I think I appreciate it even more. Uh, Like there are the more I think about there, there are like little things that like like. Yeah, maybe that didn't work as well. Maybe that was like a, that leaves a few more questions on the table than I think they wanted to. But the fun of that movie holds up so well because I just keep thinking back to moments from it, like whether it's whether it's like Fat Thor or like <laughs> or, or as as people as the internet has started to call him Thick Thor. Yeah, Thick there Thor. you go. That's a lot more. It's a lot more with two C's. Respect um, to the God of Thunder. Yeah, Thick Thor. But he looked like melted ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's all those little jokes, all those little gags that were so much fun. Um, yeah, let's. Um, I want to like dive into like everything that we we really liked from this movie. Um, let's let, let's break this this whole thing down. Uh, how did you guys think, like, so jumping to, like, five years into this movie, um, how do you, th- like, talking about Thick Thor, uh, his emotional journey over the course of the film, wh- like, how did this hold up to you guys as Thor's journey? When you think about it from Thor 1. Oh, my God. Th- Thor 1 through the Dark World, through Ragnarok, through the Avengers movies, did this feel like a good place for him to wind up? Uh, as he like went as his, in, in his like MCU arc. I mean, I personally love it. I know that we've talked about it before. Some people have a little bit of an issue with this comedic Thor. I personally don't mind it. And the way that I look at it is that hey, you know, hanging out with the Avengers made him loosen up and get funnier. And uh, and I like it. And it's just, I mean, also you get to see the team up between him and Rocket. That was really awesome. And uh, him ending up here is perfect. I thought that when they were going into when. Um, they went to go get him, and Valkyrie's like, he's not going to see you, that we were going to see a very angry, broody Thor. Right. Not a fat, drunk Thor. So that was like, (laughs) I was completely surprised, and I was like, oh my god, yes. Totally, again, one of those things that you didn't know you needed, but when you see it, you absolutely do. But it works so well, because you did, like, it's, 
if it, it was the Thor that we had like been thinking about, like during the Dark World yeah. years, like the like those years, you just like yeah, that's that's like the th- even through Ultron, you'd be like yeah, that's the that's the Thor that like we expect to see. That's yeah. the comic book Thor that we're sort of like expecting. But what I love about the Chris Hemsworth iteration and what it be, what he became, the more like they just embraced who he is as an actor, yeah. is you got this comedic, silly Thor, and like that's what we loved in Ragnarok. That's what that character became. So it would be a disservice to that movie and like the growth that that he had. That's the, that's the interesting like meta thing is like they sort of accepted who he was as an actor mm-hmm. while Thor the character was accepting who he was and just being like a little more rambunctious and silly. Yeah, and he's been exposed to more things besides just Asgard so, you know, he's getting out there and seeing the world, seeing the universe. It's yeah. made him different. And I think this makes sense for his overall arc, his journey into mystery, if you will. Thank you. Uh, it's very telling in Ragnarok when he just references the fact that he and Jane were broken up. You can tell. He's like, no, I know that's not supposed to bother me. These things aren't supposed to bother me. And this is one of those things where he's so he feels it's so important that no, you know the fact that I wasn't able to save the galaxy and prevent everyone from being or half of everyone from being murdered. No, that doesn't bother me. But of course it bothers him. And instead of you know dealing with your feelings, you know, getting getting a therapist, talking to friends, let's just drink a lot and and eat a lot and play video games. So uh, I think it made sense. And I love where he ends up at the end of the movie. Well, I love where he ends up literally, but also emotionally, just where he you know he kind of comes to term with everything and. Uh, you know, getting a do-over that certainly helps him. You know, yeah. No, it was re- that. That was the cool thing. Is like he, like it made it made sense that he like he got really desperate in that moment at the beginning, <laughs> chopping Thanos' head off. It made sense that he, uh, like, then became became a recluse. Like, especially like I think being confronted by the Asgardians. Mm-hmm. Like that were left, and what's really cool is like when I went back and rewatched that scene a bunch of times. Like, yeah, you see Valkyrie, you see like the fishermen that are there, which like may or may not have been as guardians. Like, I actually I have so many questions about this little village. Like, yeah. did they move into a village, an existing village that was there? Just rename it New Asgard. This is New Asgard now. Or did they like build a new town? Right, I, and you had I don't know if you said this on the show, but you had a theory about where that location might be. It might be something that we saw in Ragnarok. Yes, yeah. I think like. Based Based on like the, it's either near or it is um, the same like hillside that Odin died on, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. if you go back to that scene, Odin says like anywhere could be Asgard. This yeah. could be Asgard. So I think Thor took that to heart. It's like this could be Asgard, and he <laughs> right. goes right back to where Odin died, and they build new Asgard on that Aww. spot. That's a nice nod. Um, it makes so much sense. And it, it is, like, at least the same, like, look of a location. Mm-hmm. So whether it is or it isn't, whether, like, filming-wise, uh, headcanon. In my head it's it where is. where Odin died. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so that's, like, yeah, that's really cool. Um, what, like, um, if you look in the background, you can actually see some, like, more... So, like, some big, like, giant-type dudes, like, aliens that would have come with, like, Korg and those guys... Um, the like the slave class. Like, oh sure, they're, they're moving around in the background. Oh, that's great. I did not catch. Up. Yeah, it, they're it's very small. Like they didn't want to like waste the. They didn't want to do a ton of like big VFX stuff for like to put someone in the forefront. They didn't need uh, special edition style, just like alien horses <laughs> riding through the background. Right. 
shade. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they but they threw those aliens in there. They like they made it true to the universe that this is, where it wasn't just the Asgardians, it was also everyone that Korg and Meek brought with them. It was those two teams together. Um and yeah, they got halved twice effectively because yeah, they sort of got like halved by Thanos when he showed up at the beginning of Infinity War and then halved again by the Gauntlet. Like I'm like can we leave the Asgardians I, alone? Yeah, true. Like, they got... Bull- ha- most of them got killed in Ragnarok. Then, like, half of them in Infinity War. And then, like, another half by the end of that movie. Jeez. There's, like, ten Asgardians left. That's yeah. it. <laughs> they had to recruit some new people to build the village. I mean, there's there's not many. Like, at bare, bare minimum, there's not many. Um, so... Yeah, I like that's a really fun. So so that's Thor's arc and where he like sort of comes back around at the end. Also, can we talk about how metal Thor is in this movie? I know. <laughs> like he got like big and tubby and like the thick thing is really funny, but like when he goes armor towards the end of that movie, when he's got the braid in his beard, yeah. there's one shot of him like coming at Thanos where his eyes are like are glowing bright. He's got the 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 Nordic braid in his beard the two hammers in his hands and he's just like pressing down at Thanos and it, I've never seen a more metal image in my yeah. life. <laughs> it's amazing. I still love the line. I know me and Christian have done this a bunch, but it's just my favorite. No, you take the little one. And he oh, goes, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. good. That was great. I mean, look, the the cap, so like we, let, that's a perfect transition. Let's move over okay. to Cap at yeah. that moment. Uh, who, his arc over the course of, as the the original, and you could argue this based on uh, Captain Marvel, the original Avenger, the first Avenger. They sort of, that's another thing about the, like, giving her the, like, that title, that, like, it came from her call sign. is like, no, but you, it's in his title. Yeah, the he's first the first Avenger. Avenger. Yeah. Um, but that's fine. That's a, that's a whatever, like, complaint. I still like that movie. Um, but so Captain America as the original Avenger... Um, how did you guys like his arc as he goes from, like, like he has sort of the, he, him, he and Tony have the big, like, we completed their, I mean, they're the two characters that we really said goodbye to. Yeah. Um, in this movie, like, in a big way, in a, in a non, like, it's the Marvel Universe and anything could happen. Right, because even though we said goodbye to Natasha, we know she's having a movie at some point. That's so, the thing. Yeah, it's like, so it's like technically we said goodbye, but we'll get her again. And, and that's the other thing. I do want to talk specifically about Natasha and like some complaints that people have about the way that she was treated. And I want to get your thoughts on that in a little bit. But Captain America, who we're talking about right now, yep. as like they gave him the emotional out that we were waiting for. How did this track for you guys from First Avenger bookended with Endgame? Well, I'm going to start by saying I was really happy that instead of killing him, they did this, because I don't think I could have handled that. <laughs> One was enough. <laughs> it would have been way too bad. Um, no, I, lo- I love the arc that you get from Captain America. You get to kind of see him, you know, he starts off with the, I guess, I want to say like Boy Scout sort of attitude a little bit. And then he kind of does this little roller coaster with, you know, Civil War, yeah. Winter Soldier, and then Civil War. And then and then he's like Bearded Cap. And I, and I love Bearded Cap. Um, and then it's it's just interesting how much he grows. He just grows so much as a character and so much as a person and so much as a superhero, really. Uh, I like it. I haven't read like a ton of Captain America comics, um, so I don't know how closely it follows it. 
Christian? <laughs> uh, well, I would say that you're right that he definitely evolves a lot because we all remember in the beginning of Ultron, which for me, the first half hour is probably the best part of that movie. The language, please, you know? <laughs> and uh, so, you know, he definitely goes a long way from that to be bearded cap and all that. But yeah, I think going from World War II, sort of the circuitous route he takes to kind of looping back through it, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he becomes the modern-day Captain America that, you know, people like me know from the comics. You know, he was always displaced out of time, but, uh, you know, he figures out how to adapt, and, you know, he's still fighting for the same things, you know? It's just uh, the uh, adversaries aren't as clear-cut. They don't all have swastikas on their arms. So uh, I think that uh, they did a really great job with him, and they managed to do it in a way where we couldn't be happier for him. I, I understand some people have you know, time travel ramification problems. Some people don't like that that's how it went. But I'm just like, how can you not be happy for Cap ending up with Peggy however it happened? You know, I mean, it's like, he's got to be so happy that he gets to do that. So I'm happy for him. I think that's what was so good about, again, for Endgame, like tracking these like original Avengers, like that's why I wanted to do it this way and like talk about like how did they go from like the beginning to the end is that, like, it perfectly works as a whole story for him. That's actually something I'm really looking forward to once Endgame comes out on, like, Blu-ray and home video and all that, is not just re-watching, like, Endgame. I want to track, like, this is, like, I'm going to do over years and years, but, like, watch through specific characters' arcs, like, not in one sitting. Yeah, yeah sure. But Maybe yeah, yeah. sometimes in one sitting. But, like, <laughs> like, go in and watch the first Avenger, then Avengers, then Winter Soldier, then uh, Age of Ultron, then Civil War, then Infinity War, then Endgame. Like, just specifically tracking Steve Rogers' story Mm -hmm. and, like, watching him throughout that stuff. Like, obviously there's other characters doing things in there, in those movies, but just watching one character's arc through. Like, watch Iron Man's arc through. Watch Thor's arc through. Watch, like, Black Widow's arc through from, like, when she gets introduced in, like, watch Iron Man 2, and then the Avengers, and then Age of Ultron, and then, like, Winter Soldier, and, like, all that stuff in a row. And I think that when you do that, you get to see how drastic the change is, because you're, I mean, now we've been seeing it over the years, it's been very gradual, Mm -hmm. so it's not as, it's not as jarring or in your face, but I feel like if you watched it like that, you'd be like, oh, crap. (laughs) Even when you binge, even when you binge, like, because I slowly watched, like, all like 21 movies like mm-hmm. over the past few months to like get ready for Endgame but you like you go, you like forget what Natasha's doing because you're you go watch Thor Ragnarok yeah. and you see what Thor's doing but if you go like to see what she deals with going right from like Ultron into like Infinity War is a very specific story um so Cap is a great arc there because he goes from he goes from the idyllic the the idyllic uh, youth that he was yeah. like in a clear black and white war of like good guys and bad guys it was very easy to see at that time mm-hmm. and then he deals with the Avengers and the, and the enemy which again is a pretty clear like we have to do this to save the day Winter Soldier where it starts to become a little less clear like you have to deal with spies and stuff and the interesting thing I want to ask you guys because then in Age of Ultron because uh, Christian you were talking about the top of that movie yeah. He does budge Mjolnir in that scene, and there was one opinion that I read um, about, that I think is perfect, for why, so he could budge it then. Yeah. Is is there any, do you guys see, I'm not going to tell you what the theory was, but like, that that changed between uh, when he could budge it, and when he could just lift it. 
Right. I do think part of it is that Thor grabs it because he does. He's like, all right, that's enough of that. So, yes, he does only budget, but he also doesn't want to see if he can actually pick it up. Uh, But I do think that he is a different person than he was at that point. I think that just sort of the I mean, I don't know how you can be more worthy than Steve Rogers was at that point. But if you think of the things that he's fought for, the things that he's given up and just I don't know, maybe he's come around and been more somehow truer to his ideals that he's somehow more worthy that he doesn't have to work at it, that he can just call for it, you know? So uh, I would say that it's entirely possible that, you know, whatever, however Mjolnir works, it is, it is obviously uh, in some way intelligent enough that it knows who's trying to pick it up. So uh, I think that, uh, yeah, it, he has to be different in some way, for sure. I kind of had a similar thought, yeah, just the way that he's changed over time. So what I think it comes down to is that while Captain America has always been good, Mm -hmm. there are plenty of people who are good. That good doesn't necessarily make you worthy. What makes you worthy is being both good and a combination of of humble and not, like, self-righteous. Which, if you look at Captain America, especially, like, up through Civil War, he's pretty, like self-righteous in that point and he's Mm -hmm. not when you get down to it he's not humble well and here's the thing in civil war up through civil war he is holding a major secret from his friend because he believes that he is right about whether it has to do whether it's uh worth his friend knowing like he believes well i'm captain america i know better than my friend about this the uh, tony about whether he should know about his parents and it's the, the, the theory is that it's that little thing that he then realizes by the end of Civil War, that's not the way we can leave. We have to, like, be honest with each other. We have to be, like, and he, he has to sort of humble himself, go on the run, like, re, re, like re, uh, sort of look into himself a little more. And that self-examination is what makes him humble enough as well as, like, righteous and good that now he can lift me all well, now the, he is worthy <laughs> and a great for the thing most about epic moment this, of all of these movies ever in endgame he literally gets to do a self-analysis when he runs into the past version of himself and he's like i can do this all day and he's like yeah i know so even he's like yeah i always had america's ass but i was a bit of an ass too so i think he he, he that very clearly illustrates what you're talking about that yeah he is he's definitely more humble and uh, you know he really he really does change being at odds with with his friends you know and having to go on the run like that so yeah that makes sense yeah um, so I see a question in chat why isn't Peter Parker worthy Peter has so much self doubt are yeah. you kidding Peter Parker is like a nervous nebbish little wreck of a superhero he's still finding himself yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, Peter, you also have, there's a confidence that has to go with that. Like, it's all, being worthy is not just about being, like, a great hero and a good person. It's about, like, that's what I think that we can take away from that moment and what that, what like, that difference says to me as, like, as a fan and also just, like, as somebody who loves story and growth. I think what's really cool is that it, it lets you look at what it, what is it to be worthy? What is it to be true to yourself? And that's what it comes down to is like, can you acknowledge your faults, accept your faults, and then move forward and grow? 
from those points? Can you be who you are meant to be and be better than that person as well? And then when Cap is able to do that, not just be the enhanced super soldier who is the best at what he is and is and like fights for what he believes is right, can he also just be the best person to himself and to the people close to him? And that's when he's able to do it. So, like, Peter's got a long way to go before he's there. Like, yeah. I love Peter Parker. He's, like, the most relatable superhero, like, probably <laughs> for me and for most people. Yeah. But he is not worthy by a long shot. <laughs> Plus, by not being able to grab the hammer, you get to see the visual for something that we've seen many times in comics, which is him, you know, the hammer's flying through the air, and he had he catches a ride on it. So I think that it was really <laughs> cool that we got to see that. That was awesome. Um, and so, so Captain America also, like by the end of this, the big questions around Steve are the time travel and everything. And everyone's sort of been asking, like, so how did it work with with him time traveling to the past and with Peggy and everything? And those are good questions because sure. it, we we talked about this a little bit on Sunday. The time travel aspect, and if you want to get our theory on the time travel. Check out our part one of our review where we go into like why, but the Russos have also commented on it um, this week and like why specifically like Steve could travel back to the past and be with Peggy and what they said was if I can get it to come up on my phone here where I saved it. <laughs> um, what they said was um, both the ancient one and the Hulk were right. You can't change the future by simply going back to the past, but it's possible to create a different alternate future. It's not a butterfly effect. Every decision you made in the past could potentially create a new timeline. For example, the old Cap at the end of the movie, he lived his married life in a different universe from the main one. Ah. This is according to the Russo brothers. Right. They said he had to make another jump to the main universe at the end to give the shield to Sam. So according to the directors, what happened at the end of the movie was that was Steve Rogers traveling to a different universe. Probably the Peggy that we saw in Endgame, the one that when we went back to the 70s, it's that Peggy in theory. So because I think what we're sort of getting implied here, uh, because for like thinking more about the time travel thing, Mm -hmm. theoretically, it might be a different reality every time you travel to the past. So like the one that they pulled the ancient one, like when the ancient one Hulk, like that one might just be doomed um, because they never went back to that one. But they went back to a similar different one and put those stones back into that universe. And maybe in the infinite universe theory, all of those things happened. And there's a version of every universe where like where they did and where they didn't, where they failed and Thanos got the going. Multiverse theory is infinite and mind blowing. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But I think to simplify things, what the Marvel, what the MCU is telling us is there were two timelines going on here. The, you could almost just call that one like the ultimate universe. Like, so Captain America jumped over to the ultimate universe first to steal the, the time stones and then come back. And then once he finished, he went back to the ultimate universe and had a life with Peggy. And that universe is Peggy went through all that stuff. That universe is a little bit different because like there's a, there were two Captain Americas in, uh, during the Avengers and like there's a lot of questions running around like right. Sitwell goes back to his Hydra people and is like <laughs> is Captain America with Hydra? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they have to deal with all the fallout from that and that could be just a cool comic book series in and of itself is just like what are the alternate MCU timeline stories that had like a little bit different stuff going on um, but it is a different universe and Cap so 
it doesn't break Agent Carter. People were like, does it break Agent Carter? One, we can do the mental gymnastics to make Steve just fit into that universe anyway. But according to the Russo brothers, it doesn't because that is MCU proper. And this is the alternate universe timeline that our Steve went back to. As to how he got to... I know I'm going on a long rant here. No, but it, it, well, each answer you know poses three more questions. So, yeah. yeah. So I want to, but this one I want to ask you guys if you buy this this the logic there because Captain America then show he doesn't show up in the like the jump point in the at the end of Endgame. Right. So does that work for you guys? Because that's where I'm broke. Where it broke for me It's like, how did he get? to there in the timeline. Right. I mean, the idea is that he uh, time-traveled the slow way. He just lived his life for whatever... Which uh, doesn't work years. if he's from an Right, that's what right. I mean. That's what so I thought. It, it, it contradicts what they said. Uh, unless, you know, I mean, he has, I guess, a lot of time to figure out how to do it so he could have jumped to somewhere else so that he can walk over there towards the pond and be there at that moment. Uh, because... It probably would be too risky to try and return to that pad at that moment as an old man. You know what I mean? I think yeah. that it's it, you got to time it too precisely. So figuring out how he did it, yeah. I mean, and to your point that this is what the directors say, it, it's one of those things a lot of times where, you know, like a song, people are like, oh, well, that's not what it means. Well, the songwriter says that that's what it meant to them. So if you don't like it, you don't have to, but this is what they said. That was their intent. So you got to at least take it at face value that this is a story that they tried to tell. Now, if you don't like it, that's a different story, but it does give you an answer. Uh, but again, it just raises so many more questions. Yeah. What do you guys think? Like, how did he get the the shield like the shield broke, like the same, it, which was I thought was really cool because it's the same like I think pattern that it yeah. was broken in Tony's like vision at the during Age of Ultron. Yeah, but it breaks, like it's shattered mm-hmm. in uh, by the end of Endgame. But he hands Sam a perfectly con- intact shield. Did you guys have fun theories? I mean, I just assumed that he made another one or got another one along the way. I mean, he could have, I guess, technically gotten one from maybe Tony's dad. Could have gotten one from T'Challa. You or know, Tatala, yeah. yeah. You know, there's, yeah, there's, there are places. There's not a lot. It's not like you can just go on Craigslist and get a new Captain America shield. But you can, you can get. Well, another in our one. universe, you can. That's true. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah. Um, Charles Lee sent in a I fun theory uh, about how he gets it back because, like, obviously it's made of vibranium. And Cap, whichever universe he's in, he knows some people that know some stuff about vibranium. So if he's true. in the past, maybe he calls up Tachaka. And like drops some Wakanda things to like and like lets him know like, hey, I'm from the future. I know yeah. all about the vibranium and stuff. Like, I'll leave you guys alone. Can you just fix this for me, please? Yeah. <laughs> that would be actually. <laughs> or he didn't great. actually have it with him. Like, can you just make me a new one so I could, like I want to give it to my buddy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he like has it specially made for Sam. Aww. Um, and speaking of tracking like Captain America through this movie, um, what did you guys think about the choice to? And chat, I want to pose this one. To you, um, oh, and I just see Gamer Girl in here. Simple. He took it from his past self. Or that. Just well, yeah, it. that's true. Yeah, <laughs> Past Cap takes a nap, and then uh, old Cap just uh, steals it from him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that Cap's running around like, dude, he took my shield. <laughs> He's mad about it. Um, throwing a fit. Um, but what did you guys think of the choice, and the, again, to the chat as well, to go with Sam Wilson for Captain America over Bucky Barnes. I've said this before. It bothers me a little bit. Um, not that I don't like Sam. I love Sam. And I like him as the Falcon. I, if he'd stayed the Falcon, that would have been great. 
Uh, I think it just, and I know that this, he's, he's also been Captain America in mm-hmm. comic iterations. I, I totally understand that. What bothers me about it here is that he has the shield, but no super strength, no speed. Like, he hasn't gone through the super soldier process, so he's just a dude. Like, a, and he's in a great shape, I'm, you know, but he's just, he's just a guy. Like, he's going to need to wear a suit to use the shield the way Cap or Bucky would use it. And that bothers me. Yeah, I mean, look for a, a an ability standpoint. I, obviously, Bucky, having been through the Super Soldier process or a variation of it, yeah, he would be in better shape for it. But I think Sam, it makes sense as a choice, and it's just like, well, I guess you get a new suit that can help. You know, you're not going to have the wings anymore. But it it asks a lot of questions. I think he's a good choice for Steve. I think if the government is putting together a new Captain America, well, they probably won't pick either of those two. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they would pick true. they would pick somebody else. You know, I I don't think. You know, they would want somebody that they feel like is really going to listen to them. Like any time in the comics when the government has been in charge of who is Captain America, it's it's never been you know somebody that we're near and dear to. Yeah. So I, I think that uh, for Steve just knows Sam and he knows his heart. And you get the impression, I don't know if you agree, Zach, that he had talked to Bucky about all this. Because Bucky's just like, yeah, over there. And he just kind of nods a couple times. So it's almost like Bucky kind of knew that he was going to do all this. Maybe not. But maybe maybe old Steve visited him at some point and told him. But uh, that was my feeling when I saw maybe it. Maybe, like, yeah, I, the, it's either that or it's just, like, old friends and they, like, they know. Like, yeah. it's unspoken between them. I love unspoken. <laughs> uh, if you um, No, and, like, I, Sam actually, I think, will keep his wings. That's the thing. Like, we saw him fight in that battle. He took down one of those, like, big yeah, hulking, like... Dude's like on his own. He just jabs his wings into him. Like he has moves with it. That's the, in the comics when he becomes Captain America, he just adds the shield to the repertoire. He right. keeps his wings and and like keeps flying. And there is something very American about having a flying falcon. Like it, I know it's I know it's a falcon and not an eagle, but there is something about like a bird, like a bird of prey, like symbolizing America, that like. It's an older version of America, maybe not today's America, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Um, but I, I look forward to the, what I imagine will also be uh, on Disney Plus with a different title, which, yeah. which I guarantee. I, I they, it's the like. So here's the thing: Disney Plus they announced three shows. They only gave us one logo, which was Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I'm pretty sure they only gave us that logo so they could change it later. They put it <laughs> they out there knew. just so they could be like, let's fix that Captain America and the Winter Soldier coming yeah. to Disney Plus and, uh, whenever November or afterwards. I don't know that they've started filming on that No, one. I mean, we know when the service is going to launch, but we don't have any idea yeah. about any of those shows. They haven't yet. officially said any of those shows have started. WandaVision is supposed to be shooting in the fall, so obviously it won't be airing in November. Yeah, sure. Um, and we'll talk about WandaVision as well. Um, all right. So that's sort of Captain America's story. Do you guys have any other like favorite moments of his? Like now that we're we're saying goodbye to um, him. Excuse me, Avengers Assemble. Hello. Uh, oh, good <laughs> yeah. point. Sorry. Yeah. Well, that we was talk, one of the we times did talk I cried. About it in part one. I know yeah. we did. I'm sorry. I just I want to talk about it again because I loved it so much. That was like as you see it coming, like those portals all opening, <laughs> and he's just like Avengers. <laughs> yeah. Assemble. Assemble. <laughs> so good. Although part of me was like. Dude, the other they can't hear you. Yeah. That was like a whisper. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Cap, use your outside voice. <laughs> uh, I mean, they do sort of like 
all have earpieces now. I yeah, think that's after true. after the first yeah. Avengers, where they're like, "How the hell are these people communicating?" They're <laughs> yeah. like, "Always give them earpieces." Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But still, come on, Cap. It's a giant battle. They need to hear you. If anybody who's ever used a walkie-talkie or surveillance in their ear, you still got to be loud. Anyway, um, I want to engage the quantum realm one more time to jump back into the past and go. We're going to go back even further. We're going to take. We're going to take a, a big, just like dial it in because we're going back to Mar- the Marvel movie news phase one with this one. Gear it up and take us to Matt Cook for his endgame reactions. Quantum Drive, go! (laughs) Hello, you merry Marvel maniacs. It's Matt Cook here. Long time no rant. Endgame. I loved it so much. I had such a blast. I saw it opening night at the Chinese theater. It was a packed house. It was like being in a gladiatorial arena. People were losing their minds. The woman behind me and myself were making the same squeals throughout the whole movie, and it was so much fun. Uh, I've seen it twice now. Both times, loved it. Liked it even more the second time. The only thing I was left wanting was a bigger Hulk moment. I thought since they had pocketed him so hard in Infinity War that we were going to get a big Hulk smash sequence in this movie. And other than the doorway coming down the stairs... We didn't really get much, and I really thought we were going to get that. I love the fusion of Banner and the Hulk, but I thought with him having it under control, I thought he'd probably lose control, especially after Thanos leveled the entire Avengers facility. Other than that, I loved it. Favorite parts was when Thor called both hammers and the lightning braided his beard and he turned into fat Norse Thor. (laughs) Oh my goodness, I lost it. And of course, most of all, Cap wielding Mjolnir. I lost my mind. I gave what I can only describe as a war cry as soon as he did it. And so did the entire theater. And it was so fun. And I love how good he was with it. He was really good with it, Uh, of course. But still, it's like a mystical hammer. You'd think there'd be a little (laughs) bit of a learning curve, but not if you're worthy, I guess. Now we know. Also, Cap missing his time jump and living a whole life. Cap finally got his dance. And that made me so, so happy. Uh, I could go on and on, but I'll leave it at that. Excelsior, and hello, I miss you all. Bye. The best thing about that video is he clearly filmed it at Tony's house from the uh, endgame. He's just out there on the porch. It's great. Hanging out. Uh, for those in the chat who are like, who have been watching the show for a while, but maybe not for 200 episodes, it's Matt <laughs> Cook, one of the original hosts of Marvel Movie News way back in the day. Uh, as I said, we're going to phase one yeah. of Marvel movie news. Nice. Um, but yeah, uh, there are so many great moments in this, as, as Matt was talking about. Um, and like, just off of, uh, so like, while we're talking about like the Disney Plus series, uh, why don't we just talk about those for a minute? Um, so a brief respite before we go back into the right, other Right, but Avengers. those tie in so heavily to Endgame. Well, right? yes, but what I mean is a respite from our tracking the Avengers. Oh, sure, yeah, movie. I see what you're saying, yes. Um, but so real quick, so like the three that we have, we have we talked about Captain with like Falcon and Winter Soldier or Captain America and Winter Soldier, whatever it's going to wind up being. Um, Loki, do you guys think, is it going to be, we had theorized it was going to be a young Loki that gets brought to back to life of our proper MCU Loki, or do you, do you think it's going to be that now, or do you think it's going to be a this alternate Loki that vamps out with the Tesseract? I mean, now that we've gotten that, I'm kind of thinking they're going to lean more that way, because why would they get, I mean, and they could, they could do this, but why would they get Tom Hiddleston for, what, one episode before they flash back to a young Loki? Maybe they'll do that in a second season. 
It's cheaper. If they have a second season, it, it is, is cheaper. It is a lot cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> it is cheaper. But I feel like part of their selling point is the fact that, oh, hey, we have Tom Hiddleston. It's going to be focused around Loki, the Loki that you know. Um, so, I mean, and I like that idea because we don't know where he went or what he did. Yeah. And he could get up to all kinds of shenanigans. That was when he was still, I mean, that was when he was doing all the shenanigans. He hadn't learned He hadn't anything. learned yet. Yeah. He'd just been, like, beat up by the Hulk. That exactly. Was his <laughs> exactly. I think that's a that's a real possibility, although I think when I was watching the movie, I'm like, oh, you know, at the end of the movie, I'm like, oh, we never really saw what happened there. I do feel like that timeline Thor isn't going to have that much trouble finding that Loki and setting things in the course that we're expecting them to be on, but I think that that's a great opportunity for that. We could also see... When Loki's pretending to be Odin, you know, I, I, I that's really a, a whole period that they kind of skipped over, you know, because by the time Ragnarok hop- happens, Thor knows that uh, he's pretending. So uh, we don't get to see that much of it. So that could be interesting. Although but, then you'd have to get Anthony Hopkins in there. Yeah. You, well, you, you do it in the way where it's like you, you pay for like a mirror reflection of Anthony Hopkins once and then the rest of it is Tom Hiddleston because we're seeing him. It's, ah. the, quantum, it's the quantum leap theory, which again, I get to mention again on this show. Uh, so, uh, you know, but... I I, th- I also think it could just be a standalone story from you know neither of those. So that's the beauty of that show is it can be anything. And if they want to do multiple seasons, they can do all these things that we just put out there, and that'd be great because you know Loki is no more, but uh, there's plenty of stories they could still tell with him. Yeah, yeah I'm not completely over that either. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's the like so in our in our proper universe um, because although I saw somebody in the chat saying the, the shows are going to be what ifs no the what if is a very specific show that's yeah. a cartoon that it's also the rest a of them are all set within the Marvel universe they're going to be affecting the Marvel universe like Kevin Feige is producing them like they will they are just as much a part of the MCU as the movies are so good luck on those full MCU binges in the future because now you're going to have six to eight hour series to add in. Um, but so the other one, WandaVision, one word, uh, is coming up. And that is the biggest question because despite the fact that some, some clickbaity articles from even some major news outlets were posting things like, it's going to be set in the 1950s. That's not what Wanda, Ma- that's not Wanda Maxwell, that's not what Elizabeth Olsen said. Said 1950s vibes. Yeah. yeah. She said it's <laughs> exactly what she said. Totally yeah. different. Vibe and tons of articles. Like big, big, not like, not like. Small websites trying to get your click, like big art, big like news sites where like uh, click on like it's it's gonna be set in the fifties, and then you read the quote, you're like, where how did you get that from the quote? <laughs> but no, it's not gonna be set in the fifties. More than likely, it's gonna be set after Endgame. Like it is possible that they could go back and do the like the pre Infinity War time, but I don't think so. That the, I don't think that gets you anywhere because that's just like. Oh, we're doing some fun romance stuff, but it doesn't have any consequences because we already know where they're going. I think we're really gonna get a. So I I, I briefly talked about this in our part one review, and mm-hmm. I know you guys talked about it a, a little bit on Marvel TV Weekly, our sister show. But I think we're gonna get. And tell me if you guys think this is what, this is what might actually happen. A crazy thing where Wanda is gonna try to like magic vision back to life, and then she's like living in a house in the suburbs with a like robot boyfriend but like not the vision type of robot boyfriend like a robot boyfriend that she like made in her garage kind of robot boyfriend i i freaking hope so and then (laughs) and you see her just doing dishes and she's wearing that like you know the quintessential 1950s dress that's like got a little belt and then it flares out at the bottom do i (laughs) christian you know for sure no i'm just kidding um yeah, it's I and I and I just see her wearing something like that and raising her robot children. I think that that would be 
really fun. But she's also kind of crazy. So, like, you see the crack, like, you can see it coming through. Like, she's definitely a little bit cracked in there are moments when maybe she realizes that this isn't real or the, the fact that she created this sort of comes to the forefront of her mind and we see her losing it a little bit. Ooh, I hope so. <laughs> well, yeah, crazy, crazy Wanda is fascinating because of just how powerful yeah. she is and what she can do. And it would be interesting to see her, yeah, creating this this world that she lives in, knowing that it's not real and that it's not quite the way she would want it to be if if Vision were still alive. You know, so that that can, you know, that's one of those ones where like, oh, it can be really fun, but by the end of the series, it could just be devastating because she just realizes like, yeah, I actually don't have any of this, and I need to, I need to move on. But know? that's what I really would love about that show is like, as somebody who loves science fiction, like the idea of a character like dealing with the question of like, my ro- my my original boyfriend was a robot, but not this quite to this type of robot. So at what point does artificial intelligence become defined as a true sentient being? And like other characters coming in to like show concern, like like I you could see Clint showing up like, Hey Wanda, you you okay? <laughs> and then Hickey walks in and he's like, Hey she's like, Say hi to vision. Hi, Vision. Oh. Hello. <laughs> and it's like the, it's like the, uh, I, this would be a cool time to like use alternate costume versions of the characters. Like you get the all white Vision is this yeah. version yeah. or something like that. And you're just like, okay. Uh, hey, uh, guys, we need some help over here. At, uh, <laughs> at like 51 Mysteria Lane. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I think that that could be a really cool idea for a series. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, any other thoughts on Wanda? And then I want to jump back in. I mean, let's just, I say this every time and I'm going to keep saying it. Let's just have that shoot off into a House of M series. Thank you. That'd be great. <laughs> Do we want to talk about the, the Hawkeye series or? Um, well, the Hawkeye series has not officially yeah, been that's, announced. That's it's what all, I was it's wondering, just a yeah. rumor. So like in the interest of time, we talked a little bit about yeah. like Kate Bishop and stuff on the, on part one. Um, and I want to make sure that we have time cause I want, I really want to talk about Natasha. Right. And the only thing I'll say about it then is uh, if it's a if it's a Ronin, uh, you know him him out there just uh, killing people that need killing. I'm fine with that, but that's probably not a Disney Plus vibe. So no, we it's going to be that. it's going to yeah. be training. Yeah. If it's if that show is happening, it's yeah. going to be Hawkeye trying to retire and training yeah. a new Hawkeye that is a new Arrow based character that has come onto the scene. Like you're going to be the new Hawkeye. Which also, actually, as we're talking about Hawkeye, uh, I didn't realize. This was the fir- Endgame was the first time that anyone has ever said the, the name Hawkeye oh, on that's screen. I did not know that. And no. I like prove me wrong if you can because like somebody said it to me and I was like, "No, that can't be." Wait a minute. <laughs> and I'm like tracking it through I'm like without having without rewatching all of his movies right. like every movie. Like they don't say it in Thor. The closest it- you get is in Avengers yeah. when uh uh Selvik is like, "What? The Hawk? He's yeah. up in his nest." But when he call when he's like hit, when he says to his daughter, at like there you go, Hawkeye. Yeah, that's the first time anyone ever calls that's him crazy. that out loud. Huh? And it's just like because like people don't have code names the same way. They call themselves by their names. Only Spider Man has an alternate has a secret identity in this universe. Literally, only Spider Man. Only Peter Parker has a secret identity in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. The majority of them don't wear masks. Yeah. You know, so and even the ones that do are like pretty outspoken. Like yeah. everyone in Wakanda knows who Black Panther is yeah. and they like Civil War, they find out pretty quickly who it is. Yeah. Like nobody else is really keeping it secret. Anyway, Natasha Romanoff. Yeah. Like from Hawkeye right over to Natasha. Um how did you guys did you were you guys satisfied by the way that they handled her death? 
in this movie. I was really su- the way she died. I, I I don't mind that. What I was surprised is how early in the movie it was. It it was strange having the whole um, like almost second half of the movie without her in it. She wasn't in the final battle. That was weird, and that definitely bothered me a little bit because it's this culmination of of all these characters and all these movies and their whole arcs and their whole storylines, and sort of you get that big satisfying ending, and she wasn't there. That being said, the way she died made sense because to her, this was her family. She had no one else. I mean, Clint has his family. um, uh, Tony has Pepper. Spider-Man has his family and friends in school. And for Natasha, Black Widow, it it was literally the Avengers. Those were her family. Um, and so the, the reason she did it made perfect sense. Um, and it definitely, I think did justice to her character in that sense, but it was just, it was weird. Do you, do you guys feel that like, cause like, I agree that it, that it, it was justice for her character. I thought mm-hmm. it, it character motivation made sense. A lot of people on the uh, like in reviews and everything. And like friends of mine that I've talked to in person have, have said that they feel like, this was a uh, that they fridged Black Widow in this moment, and mm-hmm. uh, if you're if you're not familiar with that term, fridging is a, is a reference to a Green Arrow story where a character, a female character, is created and then killed and like literally put in a fridge just to further the male character's storyline, and uh, oh. that like so that's that's where that term comes from, right. and. Do you think that that applies to the black? I want to I, talk about this because yeah, like, it's a real thing that a lot of people I've, feel. And I, I've seen it. Uh, I've seen it circulating on my own Facebook feed, and I just feel like you know it's fine that people feel that way. I don't know that I need to have that conversation on Facebook, but I'll talk about it here. She, it's self sacrifice, and if you think about what her sacrifice means. Without her sacrifice, yes, sure, Hawkeye was going to do it. But somebody had to do that for any of this to work. So she contributes to saving everyone, you know, because she's willing to do this. And, you know, uh, Clint is determined to do it. And she's like, no, I'm going to be the one to die here. So I think when someone gets fridged, uh, it's not their choice. It's not even close to their choice. You know what I mean? And I think that there are some criticisms that, you know, this is the character that still hasn't gotten her own movie. And yes, to Zia's point, it would be great if she's able to participate in that battle, but you don't get to that battle if she doesn't sacrifice herself. What happened to Gamora is just more of a waste because Thanos just tosses her off. She wants to take that. She wants to tumble down there like that. And, uh, so I don't, I don't see it that way. I can certainly, you know, look, no, no one's opinion on the issue is invalid. I just disagree. I feel like that's one of the most heroic things that happens in the movie, you know? Yeah. And yeah. then she has to fight for that right. Yeah. I thought it was, to me, what, what really makes it true to her character is like when you get down to it, the Black Widow is a super spy, mm-hmm. not a super powered spy, just the best spy out there and what is more of a spy move than a than something that doesn't require anything but your but your choices and your motivations like a spy doesn't use yes natasha uses her her fighting ability occasionally to like take down enemies and like we've seen her fight her way out of circumstances but like why where i think she was like the best in like the avengers like the first one like her mm-hmm. first scene she extracts information from a target so while tied up and like yeah. seemingly helpless 
and she still wins that. And then she could have gotten out at any time, but that wasn't what was impressive. Like, yeah, there are tons of characters that can fight their way out of a scene with like a hundred to one odds, but she outsmarted them from a chair, like with her arms tied up. Yeah, and like this was her outsmarting the like the whole situation, the whole universe in order to win the battle. Like she wasn't gonna fight the for the the like for the Tesseract. She wasn't gonna like defeat everybody to get the the Mind Stone. Like she had to think of a way that she could be that she could use all of her like use everything about herself to get a stone and that was a soul stone and then even then like clint the other super spy was like no i'll do it and she's like no i'm better than you she outspied <laughs> clint yeah. for the right and she did and also she, and i feel like she knew clint has a family and they're literally what they're doing is to get them back yeah well i guess that's my point so, like, so she yeah, on on the clint side because that's sort of the argument that people are making is yeah. that she she sacrificed herself to further clint's life to help save him, but I don't agree with that. But do you, how do you feel about like that? No, specific? I don't agree with that at all. And even if she did it, it doesn't have anything to do with her being a female. And she certainly wasn't created for that particular goal. They weren't yeah. like, yeah, we're gonna just we're making Black Widow just so she can further Clint's story. Twenty two movies, or you know, however many movies it was later. Or even if it's not creation, but just using a character. Right. Yeah, but I still I still disagree with that. The, and I feel like if you look less at gender and more just at the story, if you start ignoring gender, like we should because hello thank you equality um <laughs> it would be nice then it's just a it's just a fantastic story whether it was her, it, and it makes more sense for it to be her than him yeah so the part of the argument that i'll agree with gamer girl mentions this is uh she's disappointed that uh, natasha doesn't get a funeral and obviously not in the moment because the funeral she gets basically is Hulk throwing a bench. But at Tony's funeral, there certainly could have been a moment. I think from a storytelling standpoint, it takes away from what Tony did. But I do understand people being like, nothing? You don't have anything for her there? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that it needed that, but I certainly understand people who think like that's an opportunity where they could have honored everyone who has sacrificed, you know, and especially uh, Tony and Natasha. So yeah. I just want to get yeah. that in there. You're uh, right. That's true. They almost, they all but ignored her death at the end there. Yeah. You're no, right. they, they react to it right after, but not like yeah. later yeah. on. And I'm part of me is hoping that we'll get to that in the black widow movie. Like as a sort of like before the flashback, like, um, sort of the way that like, uh, Wonder Woman kicked, like used like because Wonder Woman was in a similar circumstance, not because of the female character, but just because it was a, a the her movie was years before yeah the her introduction, um and so like they started out her movie with a current day thing and then gave used an, like a picture to flash back, so I think that you could do you could start with a Black Widow funeral at the beginning of her movie right, and then use that to go right back to Budapest. If you don't explain <laughs> Budapest yeah. in the Black Widow movie, Marvel, I'm going to be so mad. I'm going to be so mad. Yeah. <laughs> Unless there's an end credit scene that Black Widow 2 is going to take place all in Budapest. But uh, yes, I agree with you. We, where's the Budapest payoff at this point? Uh, I mean, they sure, even they referenced mentioned it, it enough. In, yeah, in this movie, yes, they brought it up again. Again, Marvel. Anyway. <laughs> So it's gonna be it's gonna be okay, Zach. <laughs> deep breaths, deep breaths. Okay, so um, I mean, while we're while we're on the subject, like just in the way that like the female characters were were treated, like n- like it was it was a fair point. And I feel the need to just like make these because these are fair arguments. And like while we're bringing up a lot of theories, like when you everyone goes to the past, 
none of the female characters that left technically make it back when you actually get down to it because it wasn't Nebula, our Nebula. That was past Nebula that came back. Um, and true. it's just, it's, it's a fair point. And I think it's like, that's just the heroes that were, that like wound up available and like made sense for this movie. And like, that's partially that like the MCU has been unbalanced in terms of gender representation before this, this is yeah. the end of this era. And the, 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 the balance has not been great in the first, in the first three phases. But I think going forward, Marvel has been very cl- like they're very like you can see that they are go- that they are intending to be more balanced in that like in their in that favor. So like going forward, it will sort of hopefully be better. But it w- if you're going to end a story, you can only introduce so many of the more of like the the newer characters into into it that way. Um, and of course, we got the 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 moment where you see all of the amazing female characters at once. But I want it, but like, it was a very interesting moment. And I've I've literally talked to dozens of people about it and gotten intense reactions in both directions. So, Zia, uh, I don't mean to single you out. No, that's okay. But I want to, like, get your perspective on this. What did you think of that moment on the battlefield? In the middle of an amazing battle, a bunch of amazing heroes. How did you feel about it? Okay, I've talked to a lot of people, too, and then I started to feel like I was the only one, even though I'm sure there are other people out there. I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter, so I'm sure that's also other women that feel the same. I hated it so much. That was one of my big problems with the movie. Like, that that kind of, that was kind of it. Um, my big problem with the movie, I was like, oh, come on. Because, first of all, I see what you're doing. Like, hello, that's ridiculously transparent. Anyway, second of all, <laughs> how would it work out that way? There's no possible way of that huge battlefield with everybody off in di- different directions and fighting that all of a sudden all the women would be together. They did the same thing in um, Infinity War when they were the Battle of Wakanda. They did the exact same thing, but it was a little bit smaller, so I was kind of like, all right, whatever. But this one, it was like, oh, I see what you're, I see what you're doing there. And when this is another thing that bothers me about it when people and companies or whatever start doing this. I legitimately don't think it's genuine. They're doing it to please the loudest people yelling. Like, I, I, I really feel that way. If you were just naturally making a movie, that wouldn't happen. They're doing it because of the climate we're in today. And it's not genuine to me. Well, also, in this instance, Sorry. as opposed to <laughs> Infinity War... Spider-Man's right there. He's yeah. there with them. And it's like, yeah, we're not going to show him. Yeah. So it's like, because that's not what the moment is. So it, it feels disingenuous, but... We talked about this. Uh, we talked a little bit about the movie on Marvel Movie News on AfterBuzz on yeah. Sunday. But while we were waiting to talk about it, there were two different conversations with people here who were like, "Oh, but how about that moment?" Because people loved that people moment. People loved it, and it's fine if you do. Yeah. Just for me, I was like, "Oh, all right, I get what you're. I get it." <laughs> it, it like, I, to be honest, I felt I felt similarly in that moment. It was like I it, look at each of these characters. And I love all of them. Of course. These are all amazing Absolutely. characters. I love that Wasp popped up in yes. the front because that was like, all right, where's Wasp? That's exactly what I said. Yeah. Where's Wasp? If, yes, there she yeah. is. If they're going to do it, you got to include Wasp. I but, like, but you also have, um, you have uh, 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 Mantis there. And that was like, so oh, yeah. to me, she's the she's like the, the the perfect person to to explain like why there was an issue with that, that sequence. Because... Look, it's it's a comic book movie. Logic sometimes has to be thrown away. We've already dissected right. time travel, but like we dissected time travel, and we were all invested in how that worked because we do want some kind of like logical balance to this. So, in the flow of the of the battle, like why? How is a character whose main power is empathy, and like that's a very powerful thing to be able to do? Like she could hold Thanos in place with that power, 
Like, she's not a weak person. Of course but not. But she's not going to be super helpful on a battlefield, especially not in, like, what is the, the, you're teasing as the most dangerous part of the battle. Like, I could, I would love to have seen her, like, on top of one of those big brute dudes, like, bring it down by just, like, touching its head. But, like, why was she right there? In front of Thanos, right. Where she, you're right. She has to attack from behind. It, you're, it makes no sense. So what I would have, so, like, as a, as a writer, like, you never know, you never critique, critics, you never, like, uh, note something without having a suggestion what I would have and I think that there's a way to earn that moment that I would have loved to see I think you could have just done if it was that string of like where they're passing Spider-Man like a football and he's just sort of sitting there like oh hey nice to meet you oh my god (laughs) that's a great line that was great Um, but like and if it was like all of that or even it was just the gauntlet being tossed between them and then they all so it's like a string of them like wasp th- picks it up and like like catches it as a small thing and then chucks it to to Valkyrie on the Pegasus and like runs it down and then throws it off to and it's like almost getting caught by one of those brutes and and man just brings it down and then Captain Marvel swoops in and brings it and then they all walk into that shot together afterwards like right up to the van reverse engineer that sequence and I think it's way more powerful because you just saw them all be badass mm-hmm. and then they get the hero walk. You did the hero walk before you did the hero thing. Exactly. And that was the problem with it. Exactly. It wasn't that you got all the female characters together or that they were all badass because they all are. They all are. It was just that they didn't earn it in the moment. They did. They were posing before the battle. Yeah. And I will say that before that happened was one of my another one of my favorite moments in the movie when Wanda comes up to Thanos and she tells him, you know, you've taken everything from me. And Thanos says, I don't even know who you are. And she says, you're gonna. And then like goosebumps like that part was that was amazing. So to be to 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 gamer girl in the chat wants to know like um, that she she really liked it because she thinks it teases the potential of an A-Force movie. The okay. A-Force being like a, an all female Avengers like team up. Um, do you guys think that an A-Force movie, it, one, is coming, but two, it would be something that... Would you be down for an A-Force movie? Again, I feel like it's unnecessary. I feel like if if they're tr- really trying to push what they're trying to push uh, with the narrative being like, yeah, we want uh, men and women to be equal. And I'm going to say this without getting too far into it. Equal, not the same. Okay? Thank you. Second, um, if you really want it to be equal, doing things like that is just furthering more separation. And if... Just put them all together and act like it's not a thing. And then people will get used. It really bothers me when when they start pushing things like this. Christian. Uh, I think (laughs) that uh, if they're determined to do that movie, they have to earn it the way that they did with the Avengers. So Mm -hmm. you're going to have to give us these female characters, not even necessarily starring in their own movie, but like how you had Ant-Man and the Wasp. You know, that's that's not half her movie, but it's largely, she's very involved in that movie. So I don't say jump to it. I I think we could, they could tell stories with some of these great, you know, we've already had Captain Marvel and we'll see whom else might be a part of it. But if they want to do it, have us care about the characters. You know, don't jump right into uh, putting this team together. Uh, Or make it like an Ocean's Eleven where you assemble a team for one specific mission. Because if there's a if there's a Marvel Ocean's Eleven, uh, that'd be great. I, I yeah. Agree. Or I guess technically this would be an Ocean's Eight, but I would still want to see that. So I would too, but I just think it's unnecessary. I mean, you can, I guess, if you really want to do an all female cast, or but I feel like it's unnecessary. I'd like to see both. You know, I don't, I don't want a, a gender specific. I don't want a race specific. I want to have you know Earth's Mightiest Heroes and whomever they might be. Put them together, and the lineup, like with the comics, will change from movie to movie. So sometimes, you know, look, sometimes the X Men had like five women and Wolverine. Great, that works for that time, and that that's the stories they're telling. So I, I'd like to see that if they're going to do that, just have it be the Avengers. And sometimes there's more women than, than others. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, there's a yeah. there's a lot of cool there's so many cool Marvel stories yeah. you could do. And speaking of cool Marvel stories, let's keep talking about Endgame. Yeah, that's uh, one of the coolest. And the stuff that we loved about it because there's so much that we loved. Um, so let's talk about like some other kids. We talked a little about that these guys in part one, but like Tony and like the Hulk. Um, Tony obviously has his big big arc um, in this movie. Like the, he completes it. That's what that like tease at the end of the movie was. Like you get Tony like. The, get the it's it's an homage and the Russo brothers confirm this. It's an homage to uh, Iron Man one. It's not like a tease of something uh, towards uh, something that, that's like they're doing. Although to me it was also like it also helped signify like we're building something else. Like we're in our workshop building another Iron Man type thing. Um, did you guys feel that? How did you did, in a real quick way? Because there's a lot we still want to talk about. Did you were you satisfied out of uh, with Iron Man's story across all of these movies? Which, by the way, is officially eleven years today since mm-hmm. Iron Man one wow. came out. Wow! Wow! Eleven years. Jeez. I mean, yes, and it makes sense for a sacrifice. Is and I think as mm, I knew it was going to happen as soon as um, he looks over at Doctor Strange and he nods at him. I was like, oh, that's the one shot. And Doctor Strange knew it the whole time. But yes, yes, I was. I thought it was. I thought it was good. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, it's, you know, you talk about Cap's journey a little earlier in this episode. I mean, Tony started in a much worse place. Like, he couldn't have even been in the same room as Mjolnir when we first meet Tony Stark, you know? Not that he gets to lift it, but that's not the point. So you see him just become such a better person. He becomes a dad, which I think that even through Iron Man 2, you're like, yeah, I can't, I just can't imagine, you know? So uh, just to sort of see... The sacrifice that he makes as well, because you know we talked about we talked about Natasha's sacrifice, but he knew stealing the stones that was going to be it for him. There's there's no coming through that. You know he had the technology to actually be able to do something without dying, but uh, you know he knew that it wasn't going to be you know. So that level of sacrifice is not something that I think we would have seen in earlier iterations of Tony Stark, maybe by Avengers, but I'm not convinced even then. So uh, I I think it ended at a place where it, it kind of had to go this way. You know, I don't know where else there was for him to go. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, all right, I could talk about Tony all day. Um, the Hulk, like, I think with, with we talked about a lot about, like, uh, Smart Hulk uh, last time, and, like, I just want more of it. Yeah. Give me more of Bruce Banner running, like, walking around that as, so like, strange. as, as <laughs> prof- like, Professor Hulk. I, like, look, I gener- genuinely, I generally don't like Smart Hulk in I the agree comics. You, it's yes. something that I don't really enjoy. I enjoyed this so much. <laughs> On both points, I agree. In comics, I don't tend to like it, but this, I'm like, oh, this is great. Because in comics, it feels it's always felt forced. Yeah. This felt earned. This yeah. felt like, I'm like, this is where Banner was going this whole time. Like, this is like the, ver- like, Mark Ruffalo especially, his Banner has been building towards this since the beginning. Like, he's had a very tumultuous relationship, but also an understanding of it that I've, like, it's nuanced in, a, in this, like, intricate way that this just totally works. It's also so funny, and Ruffalo's so good. Yeah. But I agree with Matt Cook. I, I thought not getting any Hulk out, except for Hulk out in the past. You know, we saw uh, 2011 Hulk. Uh, just a big moment where he does something big would have been nice, but it also didn't fit into what they were doing with the character. So I understand it. I just would have really liked it. Yeah. And now uh, I want to engage the Quantum Realm Drive one more time, once more, 
Um, uh, and then we're going to get into Doom's Question Corner, which because we have a lot of questions from you guys that I want to make sure that we get to. Um, so let's go. Let's let's we 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 turn into phase two. We turn into phase one. But let's go. Let's. I, I like phase two. Phase two was nice. That was when I was just a voice in the in the air. But so I'm gonna let's 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 travel back via the quantum realm for more endgame thoughts from phase two. Marquia, how you doing? <laughs> Hello, Zach and everyone. I'm Rakia McCarty. Uh, I used to be on the show, if you uh, don't know who I am. Uh, yes, so the spoiler review of Avengers Endgame today. Wow, y'all, we made it. I mean, 11 years, 20 plus movies. I mean, there's a time heist involved. Uh, Dark World Matters. <laughs> Uh, Black Panther. Black Panther is back. And of course, we knew it. But oh, tell me you did not feel something when he popped out of Doctor Strange's like ring and it was him and Okoye and Shuri. And I just, I can't even. Uh, but so many things. Uh, I absolutely loved Captain America having to battle Captain America. I loved the passing up the shield from one Captain America to the new Captain America. And so many feels. I'm pretty certain um, that the funeral scene, that that was Harley from Iron Man 3 in the back, uh, you know, just with that. And oh, the battle scene and Captain Marvel. And I'm keeping this to a minute. So love you all. Bye. Doom. <laughs> Doom. And dude, Zoom's question quarter. So that works out. Thank you, yes. Marquia. All right. We're back to the we're back to the present again. Back to the present. Um, that seems like a perfect place to start uh, at, at the end there. Just like like all the questions that people have had about like the end of the movie. And this one I got from a bunch of people, so I, I don't have a name in front of me, but like, yeah, who is that at the funeral? Um, yes, that was that was uh, 100% the the kid from yes. Iron Man 3, in case that you you hadn't uh, realized it. Uh, uh, I had his name in my head, and then it went away. Um, and it took me a minute seeing it. I'm like, wait, who's that? And then I thought about it, and I'm like, oh, okay. But it, it didn't come to me right away. So, yeah, that yeah. was um, Harley Keener. Um, is the name of the character, um, and it, it to me it made perfect sense for him to be there. Like this is a kid who like Tony sponsored. I assume has kept track of this yeah. whole time, um, and it was a good like just reference to that movie that you got uh, Harley Keener played by Ty Simpkins to come and be at the funeral. And it's real quick, but it's like for a lot of people. Like I know a lot of people don't love that movie, but I think it's a great it's a great movie, and like a lot of people love it. I've talked to some people this week who Iron Man three is their favorite Marvel movie. Interesting, and like. Every one of those movies is somebody's favorite, and for for people who loved Iron Man three, this kid was like a big help to Tony. It makes sense that he was the only like civilian at the funeral. Yeah, it adds up. Um, so we're, more questions. We're just going to tear through these things. Um, this one comes from Cody Avery uh, via the email, which you can send your your future questions to Doom's Question Corner at Gmail dot com. Um, if you want to send it, uh, Cody Avery asks, how are the Avengers able to handle the infinity stones without killing them? Uh, in the verse guardians took the whole team to handle one. I know like, so how are they able to do it? Basically think of the infinity gauntlet as the same thing as the orb in guardians of the galaxies, not the stone itself, but the orb, like you can pick up the gauntlet as long as you're not just like Putting your right, hand putting on your the skin. stone. Yeah, yeah. even the way the Ancient One hands the stone to Bruce, as strong as he is, there's there's like a little bubble around it. You know? yeah. He's not actually touching it. Yeah. And I think that it, it, like, it, it depends on the stone, too. Like, the Soul Stone is one that we see visibly handled by, like, Hawkeye 
Hawkeye holds it in his hand. Thanos holds it in his hand without it like doing anything to to his skin or anything. And maybe that's because they were the ones that sacrificed themselves that's for, the, true. for mm-hmm. the stone. But um, I think like also like you may even be able to brush the stones while they're in the gauntlet because the gauntlet is siphoning some of that energy into itself. So that's really it. The gauntlet acted acted as a like protection thing, a thing yeah, you could pick up. That that sufficiently answers it for me. Yeah. As long as you don't put it on. Don't put on the Infinity Gauntlet if you're not the Hulk. Man, if I saw it lying there, I'd have to put it on, so I'm glad it's not lying there. <laughs> what would you snap? What would your snap be? Well, there'd be one person off this panel that would be gone. Oh! oh! I'm so it's not scared. Zach. It's okay, I understand. Whoa. Um... This is a this is a popular topic th- this week because it's like uh, it's a popular topic every week. Let's be honest. How do you think they will incorporate mutants and the X Men into the MCU? Specifically, do you think that the Hulk snap will have anything to do with it? This comes to us from Aaron Rook on Twitter. Yeah, I saw that question, and uh, I don't think it'll have anything to do with it. I think that it's. I I honestly think we're closer to five years away from getting X-Men in, incorporated into these movies. So I I think it'll have to do with some other event that we don't see yet. I know Zia hopes House it's of House of M. M. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and by the way, if you're, I would love that too. So that would be great. But no, I don't, I don't think that there's a direct correlation between anything that happens in this movie and getting the FF or mutants into this universe. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, I I do think that there is something we said the MCU loves to like tie in things like as it, it maybe it's something like only the people who got dusted their their DNA was what was triggered to be to evolve that way. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. And that like interesting. so you could tie these things together like there was something like you got brought back and your DNA got affected. So like half of humanity now has an X gene in them. It doesn't really present itself in most people. Um, but like the few that it does become the mutants of the future. So like well, you could uh, you could blame something like that, even if it is still tied into it's still human evolution. Isn't I mean Wanda is technically a mutant, but they well, don't ever talk about like maybe not in the not MCU. This iteration, not this iteration. They this haven't iteration? legally okay. been able to call her a mutant in the Marvel yeah. universe, like because of the separation. Right. Now they could use that word if they wanted to, but she her powers, her and Quicksilver got their powers via the Mind Stone. Okay. Um, from the Scepter. From, like they right. they were enhanced via the uh, an Infinity Stone. So they're not uh, technically mutants. Um yeah. Here, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. But, Got but it. it's easy enough to explain away. Like, oh, they were mutants. This accelerated it. Boom. That's what happened. But yeah. True. So there you go. We'll see what they want to do with it. Yeah. Um, this is just sort of a, in a series of questions from Kyle Nichols who sent it in. But I wanted to ask about this because it's something else that I'm seeing. Do you think that the earthquake under the water that uh, Koye mentions at the towards the beginning of the movie is a Namor reference? That'd be cool. Is that setting up Namor? I, I think that would be awesome. And I did not have that thought until I saw, uh, I think that question was on Twitter. I saw that and I'm like, well, that would be amazing. But that's not what I was thinking at the time. I think it was just to show the impact the snap had uh, on the world. And as as Carol mentions, things like that are happening on planets all over in the galaxy. So, uh, but if they want to turn it into Namor, I'm ready for him. Uh, so, Yes. <laughs> uh yeah i think if this could be it, it could be something you easily forget and like don't like think about at all again uh but if that if they're really playing that uh, deep and i think that kevin feige absolutely is 
that could be a really cool way to be like, look, it was there all along. That like this is <laughs> this is since the snap. Like, because imagine you're Atlantis down there and you're living in an isolate, completely isolated world, and all of a sudden, fifty percent of your citizens just disappear, and you can't, you don't know why. Yeah. Like that might be a time where you have to start breaking out of like the the hidden world that you're living in. And so Namor is like getting ready to assault the earth. Half of my people disappeared. What then did they, you do? Then they yeah, came back right, like exactly. five years later. But like, what happened? Yeah. Um, and that could, I would love that that would, like, I think Namor would be an amazing thing for uh, Black Panther 2. If you want to do like a bigger world thing with that, yeah. that could be a really cool Can I grab story. this question from the chat? Because I think it's a great one from Jimmy James. Who do you think the next big bad will be? Kang, Molecule Man, Doctor Doom. Norman Osborn, Mephisto, The Void, Magus Beyonder, Galactus, Annihilus, or the High Evolutionary. Um, I'd love to see Galactus, but we need to we need to build to that. Uh, so the, K- Kang, I think we're well positioned for. Kang is the obvious one because yeah. we just meddled with time. Yeah. So Kang, who if you're not familiar with Kang, he is a character from the future who comes back to the the present day because the Avengers have mucked with time so much that they are now, like, breaking his timeline. Uh, And he's coming back to... And he he believes to kill the Avengers in order to protect the Earth and the future. So he's kind of like another Thanos uh, villain who... He's he's got... Yeah, well, yeah. He's he's blue skin, but his uniform is purple. But then also, he's the future version of a character named Immortus. So uh, they're they're working on a lot of different uh, time streams with him. But uh, yeah, it it makes so much sense that he's who he would get next. Yeah. Uh, Almost too much sense. Um, (laughs) Which is is why it'll be the High Evolutionary. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I don't know. I don't know that you get a big bad the same way ever again. Definitely not a three-phase bat, big bad. No. I mean, I think you get the way that, you know, the Chitauri and Loki teamed up in the first Avengers. I think you'll get something like that. But, yeah, I don't think you'll have... The next 22 movies aren't leading into something. You know? yeah, the thing is, like, because now everyone's looking for it, yeah. I don't think you can even pull... I don't think you could do it. I think you could do, like, one big bad per phase. Yeah. So, like, you'll get... Once you introduce the Fantastic Four, Galax will probably be there by the end of that phase, whatever that is. And Or, like, I, the, it makes a lot of sense for Fantastic Four to come in at the end of phase four. So Agreed, maybe that's where yeah. Galactus gets introduced and he's the big bad of phase five kind of thing, which, like, Jesus, we're even thinking about Phase 5. But, like, we know that Kim Feige and his people have been. I'm ready. Um, Let's get this going, guys. So, Charles Lee asks, like, we're just going to kind of pile through questions. Sure, I yeah, get yeah. a bunch of them. And this was a really fun one that he asked. Uh, what if, like, thinking about all the people that have been wiped out, what if Miles Morales was in the half that survived in 2018? Mm. Which would mean that, let's say, like, Miles was, like, 10 or 11 at the time. That would make him 14 or 15. What if we get into Spider-Man Far From Home, and then there's a new kid on the debate team? Hi, Peter. I'm Miles. That'd be cute. That would be great. And, you know, the current Spider-Man animated series and Disney XD, both Miles and Peter mm-hmm. are Spider-Man on that show. So, yeah. you know. It's but they don't a, know it, right? If I remember no, no, they correctly. Know each other. They do know yeah, each they, other. They, they know that first, they're both Spider-Man. They do know each other. Okay. Yeah, they, they team up a, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that would actually be really fun. <laughs> Peter and Miles. The the cool thing about that is when you think specifically about Spider-Man, and this is what I really enjoyed about this, this notes. Thank you, Charles. Um, is that, like, 
it puts like so many characters into play that just like weren't right there. Right. Like whatever their ages were, like either it's somebody that Peter Parker did know in high school who's now older. Like Charles mentioned Felicia Day. Like what if Felicia was somebody who was as old as Peter Parker before the snap, but is now in her early twenties, so she's an adult running around like having graduated from college. Do you so, mean like, Felicia Hardy? What did I say? You said Felicia Day. All right, I'm I, excited. No, I know that. I wanted to make sure that Felicia the chat knew that. Yeah, Hardy. Yes. Sorry. Like, I understand yeah. the mistake. <laughs> um, Felicia Hardy was snapped, and then like is like a young woman in her like early twenties, having graduated from college, but she went to high school with Peter. Right. This is the nonsense that I'm excited to deal with in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Why would he actually be? I mean, and and it's what I can't wait to see explained in in Far From Home because we see the moment with Peter and Ned. Well, Ned's apparently in high school. Did he get snapped away or whatever? So what happened? How do they deal with these five years? You know, so yeah. uh, I can't wait to see how they explain it. It looks like everyone in Peter's class got snapped away for five yeah. years. The easiest way to deal with it is all the yeah. significant characters. Flash and MJ. Yeah, yeah everybody. They, yeah. All got, they all got snapped. So they came back at the same age. And you'll have some fun characters. Like, I expect Martin Starr didn't get snapped and he's been around right. this whole time now he's like the principal of the school or something <laughs> that'd be great and he's just like oh hey peter been a while uh i'm principal now uh debate team go, go have fun um <laughs> uh, or like just like other characters that like their friends like one of the more like one of the smaller characters like is just older now and they like come back from college to see their old baby-faced friends and it's super aw- awkward and uncomfortable i'm hoping that like they're supposed to we're supposed to get a, a trailer soon for a new one for spider-man far from home guarantee right after we go off the air uh probably uh or it's already come <laughs> yeah, out no, i'm actually out. looking for it right now but uh, that won't really help us because we can't watch it yeah we air. can't watch it while we sit here um but i like i think that if they are smart they will have played with this in a really fun way um and maybe not maybe they'll like sort of not deal with it they'll just like quietly deal with it at the top Mm-hmm. Um, cause also like, how would you even like, you would have had to tell the filmmakers. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see how they handle it. And by the way, a lot of sources say the uh, far from home trailer next week. So next okay. week, Thursday at two is basically <laughs> yeah, what they're right, saying. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Sounds <laughs> a week from right now. <laughs> sounds right. Um, there's one more I definitely wanted to get in, uh, from Tyler Kelson, uh, so when Cap and Tony are in 1970, we get a brief cameo from James Darcy re- reprising his role of Edwin Jarvis from Agent Carter. Why do you think he is the first TV ca- first character to go from TV to the movies? Um, I think it was, honestly, I bet it was Haley Atwell. It, it was so easy to do. It didn't cost, you know, he, he wasn't asking for a ton of money to be in the movie. It was probably just really easy. And they're like, it makes so much sense. Let's do it. Let's not overthink it. That the fact that this is the first character created for TV in the movie. Uh, and it's such a great moment. I'm so yeah. glad that he was there. Yeah, I was one of the few people in the theater, like, vocally going like, ah! Yeah, yeah <laughs> I was there. he popped up and no one else knows why I'm <laughs> screaming. Like, like, what? It's a, it's his driver that, like, happened to be named Jarvis. That's cool, I guess. And I'm like, no! You don't understand. <laughs> Um, and as to the question of like whether this makes Agent Carter officially canon, uh, it always was. It, it, like like any of the TV shows, it was to the point that it was. Um, uh, Agents of Shield, especially the earlier seasons, were absolutely canon. And all those characters like did their thing. It's the one thing that like I wish we could have had in this movie is Agent Coulson. 
Like, it's the one thing missing, really, from Endgame of yeah, all of the callbacks. I, mean, I wanted but, the Defenders standing there in the big fight. That's yes, but, really like, but, my, but my point is, like, oh, for the so Avengers good. movies. Yeah. Right. Like, I know, yeah. Coulson was what brought the Avengers together, and it felt like that was the one thing I was like, but we never... But Coulson wasn't there. I know, because he died again. Therein lies the problem. I know. know? Yeah. Um, well, he, yeah, he died again. But like, it, but this is the thing. It's right. like, look, it's the, the we got six seasons of Agent Coulson running, yeah. or five seasons of Agent Coulson running around on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So that was the trade-off. You got five years of him, but we couldn't get his moment yeah, in the movie because it got too messy. Like in like in the like in the weird standoff of like TV doesn't want to acknowledge like the movies barely want to acknowledge TV and TV is like trying to acknowledge movies but like they're not always playing in the same sandbox. They just sort of had to be like, okay, I guess like Colson's not going to be in this. Yeah. yeah, it would have been nice to maybe see him walking around the like somewhere in like their time travel stuff, but it didn't work out. Um, too, it, it's too bad. Um, but I think that's unfortunately going to have to do it for Doom's Question Corner this week. Thank you to everyone who sent it in. I got to as many as we possibly could. There was a ton, and I, I very much enjoyed reading through them and thinking about all of the stuff that you guys sent in. So please keep sending them for the future, because we'll still take endgame questions and other things. Um, we didn't have time to really get into Hellstrom and Ghost Rider and S.H.I.E.L.D. this week. Uh, the trailer is really cool. Yeah, um, agreed. It, it, it's fun. It sets up like what's going, what's gonna, what's coming on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this season, which premieres next Friday, which wow. is crazy. Hey, I'll have yeah. something other than Cloak and Dagger to watch. Hey! <laughs> you can watch it before Cloak and Dagger. Catch yep. up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Zia. <laughs> uh, it's so good. Uh, and you could bet that I'll be talking about Agent Field every week from here on out. Uh, can't stop me anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, thank you guys so much for joining us for Avengers Endgame. And thank you, Zia and Christian, for being here. Oh, my gosh. So great to see you. Do you guys yeah. have any other thoughts? I want to make sure that you guys have a, t- a chance to you know, say I anything else I do feel like Endgame mind. conversation will probably creep in, you know, over the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that's what I think a lot of people will probably email in. But uh, there's there's probably more that we'll think of, but uh, we got so much time to talk about it this uh, past week, which is great. But uh, all the things that we didn't get to TV-wise, and also some people in the chat are wondering about where what does the TV universe do with the five-year range of what happens after the snap? Uh, we're going to talk about some theories on that and also the news about Ghost Rider and Hellstrom and, uh, and uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We'll talk about all that Sunday over on AfterBuzz TV at 9 p.m. Pacific on the show that Z and I do, Marvel TV Weekly. So you can find us there and you can find me at Christian DMZ on Twitter and Instagram. Oh, very nice. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zia underscore land. That's X-I-A underscore land. And you can yell at me about my views and thoughts. <laughs> Don't yell. Passionately discuss. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and if you guys lo- if you guys are enjoying this, please be sure to like, rate, subscribe, all of those traditional things to Popcorn Talk, Marvel Movie News, on, if you're listening to my podcast, wherever you're subscribing, leave us a rating, leave us a review. It's a big help. And continue the discussion with us, like whether it's on Twitter or in the comments below on YouTube. Like, we want to know what your favorite moments were from Endgame, what things you're most looking forward to in Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, what are you expecting from Spider-Man Far From Home, which is, like, going to start off a little bit more morose. Like, those trailers are kind of sad looking now. Yeah. Because you're like, Spider-Man's like, I just want to go on vacation, you guys. You're like, 
oh man, he wants to go on vacation not just because he's a kid, because he just was dead for five <laughs> years. Oh my god! Uh, um, like it's way heavier. Yeah. Uh, but I uh, and like there's, there's so many more theories that we could go into there. Like like it has Mysterio just been operating for five years as like a hero in yeah. the background for Shield or like what approximation of Shield might exist? Like so many questions, uh, and we'll continue to talk about those. I'm sure after we get next week's trailer and all that on Marvel Movie News. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Don't forget that Saturday is uh, Free Comic Book Day. Sorry, I just thought about Mm. that now. So uh, go to your store. There's a ton of them, ton of Marvel comics (laughs) and other books. So go out and grab them. Oh, yeah, and grab some indies as well. Yeah, Read something new. Um, All right, I'm Zach Wilson. Uh, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at ThatZachWilson. And be sure to check out my other podcast, which is super silly, super ridiculous, Ships in the Night, where we take two characters from different universes and ship them together and we did a bunch of marvel stuff this week in honor of endgame we had april dawn on the show who was with us a few weeks ago we shipped gamora with lara croft (laughs) all right (laughs) we wrote out what that crossover would have been and then we did black widow natasha romanoff with Harry Potter, <laughs> I also like that. <laughs> These were suggested to us. We just we're just the writers trying to come up with how it will work out. And we figured it out. And we it's up on Ships in the Night on all your podcast places now. All right, Excelsior to you, our merry Marvelites. This has been Marvel Movie News. Thanks for geeking out with us. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.